This episode of Grow the Show is sponsored by Riverside.fm, the leading platform to record studio-quality podcasts from anywhere. More than 70,000 other podcasters use Riverside, including myself, Guy Raz, Gary V, companies like Spotify, and even the New York Times. What's amazing about Riverside is that when you're recording a podcast or a remote interview, the recording quality is independent of Wi-Fi stability, which is huge. Your content is recorded locally, which ensures reliable and uncompressed content quality. It's basically a studio inside your browser, and it is super intuitive and easy to use. Once your recording is done, you'll automatically be able to download separate audio and video tracks and edit your content all with a few clicks. So if you haven't yet, give Riverside a try. Visit riverside.fm and use my code GROW15, that's G-R-O-W-1-5, to start recording studio quality sound and video and get 15% off a membership plan. This is Grow the Show, the podcast to help you grow your podcast. My name is Kevin Schmidlin. I am your podcast growth coach. And today on the show, we're going to shed some light on the tiny little mistakes that you're currently making with your podcast's sound quality. You may not realize it, but those mistakes are making your podcast sound unprofessional and they're making listeners take your show less seriously. But have no fear, because we're also going to share with you how you can correct those mistakes with just a couple of tweaks and hacks. With them, you'll be able to make your podcast sound way more professional. That way, your show will make a great first impression, and your new listeners will be more likely to become binging fans. Joining me today to help shed light on these teeny tiny little mistakes is an audio engineer who has been working with sound for more than 30 years. He's a world-renowned DJ and music producer who's toured the world for decades, and now he's the co-founder and lead audio engineer of Podcast Boutique, which is the podcast post-production agency that I use for Grow the Show and that I recommend for everybody. Today, he's going to step through a checklist of tweaks and tips that he provides to his production clients so that you can maximize your show's professional sound without breaking the bank. Max, you ready to dive in? Yes, definitely. Awesome. Let's do it. All right, Max. So the first thing I want to get into before we talk about the tips, tricks, and techniques is why is this so important? So why should the podcaster who's listening pay any attention to their sound quality? If you are a podcaster that is interested in being in that 1%, these things that we're going to talk about today are all such easy fixes that make, some people might not see them as making much of a difference, but they really differentiate the top 1% from the rest of the mess. And we have clients come to us that have been doing things incorrectly for years and not realizing it. And just the slightest tweak, free, easy tweak can bump them up to being instantly more professional. So that's why it's almost painful to see people making those mistakes because they are such easy fixes. Yeah. You know, like purchasing the wrong mic is one thing, but simply moving the mic out of your breath channel or adding a bit of lighting for your video can raise the level up so much. You will look back on previous episodes and be like, what was I thinking? Yeah. So, you know, our goal as a company and, and you as well has always been to help tweak those little things that are easy to deal with get yourself in the 1% so you can focus on the difficult things like content, monetization, and growth. Don't worry about these little things. Get them fixed. Get yourself into that professional 1% right away. So, you know, again, because they're easy to fix, we want to help go through the list and see if we can help 
people out there make those little tweaks for their own show. You bring up a great point, which is you don't have to do these things. Like you totally can be somebody who just like records, throws it on, like doesn't do much. You can do that, but it's so easy to do these things that we're about to talk about that there's no reason not to because it's just going to put your show above the rest and, and truly, like you said, make it sound like the top 1%. Exactly. And if you're listening to grow the show, that's clearly your aim is to upgrade your show in every direction from monetization to just the random little things. There was an amazing Reddit post a couple of years ago that asked, have you stopped listening to a podcast and why? And there were hundreds of answers. And a lot of them were content shift, either like a political shift or something. But there were so many that said that they just couldn't get past the lack of editing or the poor audio quality, or, you know, people leaving gaps in, like, which slows the pace down, which makes it just appear more kind of kind of lazy. So I always point clients to that, because it's really eye opening to see how these little things really do affect your audience and your listenership. You know, like, for us, you and I content editing is a big thing. You know, cutting your 30 minute show down to 20 minutes, instantly gives your audience more time back means that someone with a 25 minute commute is going to hear your whole show Mm -hmm. and they'll hear your CTA at the end, which is key, but they might miss it if it's 30 minutes. So why are you leaving in that 10 minutes that's unnecessary of like small talk and mistakes and stumbles and all that stuff is so easy to remove that why wouldn't you give your podcast the best chance to succeed? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's where we're coming from. So let's, jump into each one and start with the first one that you alluded to, which is microphone. Now, there you talked about the mic placement, which we'll get into in a second. But what I'd love to know from you off the bat is the age old question, what mic should I use? So got any opinions there? For me, it's pretty simple. It's either a Shure, a Rode or an Audio-Technica. And you're talking about companies that have been around for decades making microphones. You have new people come along, you know, like Logitech, which is a computer peripherals company that's trying to make mics. You have, you know, the Blue Yeti and the Snowball, these mics made by companies that are less than 10 years old. They have the kind of Beats by Dre or Vitamin Water vibe where it's like (laughs) 90% marketing, 10% quality in the product. So I would always focus on, you know, the companies that have been around for a while. You use what is the best in class across everyone from Joe Rogan, Jay Shetty, any top tier podcast uses what you use, which is the Shure SM7B. Now, it's a little out of a lot of people's price range because it is top tier. It's a, you know, three, $400 mic, and then you need another $200 worth of stuff to, to get it working. But they have the cheaper version, the MV7. The microphone that I suggest to everyone is the ATR2100, which is less than a hundred bucks. It's half the price of some of these overly marketed, poor sounding mics. And it is perfect, especially for female voices, I find, with high sibilance. It tones that down really nicely. So all of the clients that we have either use the SM7B or the ATR2100. And like when you see a comedian on stage or a politician speaking, you don't see a blue yet. <laughs> you, know, you see a pretty boring looking standard microphone. That's the ATR2100. It sounds perfect. You can drop it on its head, you can throw it in a bag, and it will last forever, and it sounds amazing. And like I said, it's cheaper. So what we see is a lot of people fall into this trap of, you know, how to start a podcast, and they Google it, and the Blue Yeti comes up because they have the biggest marketing budget. So this gets back to a bigger problem, which I think is 
the first step to starting a podcast is consult a professional. Hmm. Consult someone who knows who can help you avoid the pitfalls, such as buying an overpriced microphone that you're going to replace in 15 episodes when you realize that it's picking up all this annoying room noise that you don't want. Just avoiding the general pitfalls of setting up audio, setting up lighting, learning how to record, recording levels. You know, you and I both know most podcasters hate their first 10 episodes <laughs> yeah. because they didn't consult a professional. The sound is all over the place. They didn't know what they were doing, which is fair. It's a kind of complicated, you know, it's once you learn it, it's simple, but it's it's a bit daunting. So it's fair that they don't know, which is why we say consult a professional off the rip. You will save money. You will avoid pitfalls. You'll avoid signing up for services you don't need. Or, you know, I have people who've been recording, paying for something like, you know, Riverside or Squadcast to record solo episodes when they have a Mac and QuickTime is built in and it's free. Yeah. So it's like, and it records perfectly on a local recording. Because they just don't know. And again, it's understandable, but that's why you should consult someone who knows. Yeah. So as far as the microphone, yeah, I would always stick with a company that's been around for a while and you will, it's slightly less glamorous looking than the, than the Blue Yeti or the Blue Snowball, whatever it is. But the goal is the end product user who has your voice in their ears for an hour. You want it to sound as clean and as soft and as pleasing on the ear as possible. And the microphone is obviously the most important part of that. Yeah. So there will be undoubtedly some listeners who have a Blue Yeti and they're like, oh no, what do I do? So for someone who, I mean, the first thing would be grab a Shure, <laughs> grab an AT. But if you can't do that, if it's out of someone's budget, they have a Blue Yeti. Let's talk a little bit about how they can get the most out of that and how they can, you know, make their sound better with a Blue Yeti. First of all, you want to jump on YouTube and look up someone who is reviewing the Blue Yeti because there's four settings on the back. There's a dial with four. And one of the settings is to record all around the Blue Yeti, where it's designed to be put in the middle of four people podcasting, which, of course, we do not recommend at all, but it's just kind of a, a feature that it has. But there's also a setting so that it's, it's only recording what's directly in front of it and everything around it is lessened. And obviously you want that because the Yeti is notorious for picking up air conditioner noise, computer fan noise, any sort of little mouth clicks or noises in the room, and it adds a lot of like hissy kind of vibe to it. So you definitely want to make sure that the gain is quite low, which you can set right on the back of the Yeti. And also you want to turn it to the heart symbol, which is, there's four symbols. I think there's like a circle, an infinity, eight. You want to turn it to the heart if you're recording solo, so you minimize and mitigate the noise around the Blue Yeti. So the two things are the levels and that setting. If you're using the all-around setting, guarantee you're adding 30, 40% noise that is unnecessary on top of your voice, which of course doesn't sound great. Now, a lot of people do think there's a magic button in post-production. If there was, people wouldn't have $500 microphones. <laughs> Joe Rogan wouldn't be recording in a professional studio. I wish there was a magic button, but there isn't yet. Maybe AI will come up with something soon. <laughs> so you really do have to pay attention to the mic, the room, and you know the mic technique. So let's talk about that one. What is mic technique and why does it matter? It's basically the relationship between your voice and your breath and the mic and what it's picking up. So even the slightest change in where you are can change how your voice sounds and how intimate or how far away you might sound. You also have the issue of room reverb. This room is not well treated because I don't record podcasts here. So you can hear if I move the mic farther away and speak louder, 
my voice is bouncing off the walls and it starts to mix in with my voice and it doesn't sound great. So if I get too close, it starts to get a little like, right? It's kind of gross. It's like a bit ASMR. Too much. And, yeah. You can hear it. Gross. <laughs> so those are very slight adjustments that I made, but it's a drastic difference. So the mic technique is key because nobody wants to hear, you know, popping peas in the mic and Nobody wants to hear your mouth noises. And also breath is a big deal. If, if you have the mic directly in front of you and you're drawing your breath in over the mic, the mic is picking that up and amplifying it and it does not sound good. So all those things, I mean, if you're listening on speakers in the kitchen while you're cooking, that's one thing. But if you have AirPods in and it's right in your ear, it can really be a turnoff, not only a turnoff, but distracting from the content. So again, it gets back to you want to give yourself the absolute best chance to succeed and moving your mic three inches is free and easy and literally upgrades your sound instantly. Yeah. So the good way to think of it, and, and thankfully now with more people coming into video, it makes it easier to picture, is that if you're facing a camera, you don't want the microphone to be blocking the view. So that instantly upgrades your sound because you're moving it to the side so that your face is showing to the camera. And the mic still picks it up perfectly, but you're not getting the air that you're blowing is not hitting the mic and the mic is not picking up the sort of mouth sounds and gross stuff. Mm. Some of it can be removed in editing. But again, we're not doing ASMR here. We just want to do a nice, clean voice, simple. You want it about a fist distance and on an angle, like a 45 degree angle out of your breath channel. You do not want to be breathing into the mic or drawing in your breath over the mic. So it sounds perfect here. I can turn to the mic if I want, but you're going to get that sort of chance if I laugh or if I say a popping pea, like pizza pronto, it doesn't sound right. So just make sure it's out of that. Sorry, I'm bumping the mic, which is also <laughs> a cardinal sin, but in the <laughs> effort to explain it, it's, an, it's a necessity. So you just want to make sure that your air channel is not pushing towards the mic and the mic is pointing at your mouth, but your mouth is not pointing at the mic. Right. So yeah. And also you want to isolate it off your desk or be very careful with bumping the desk again because those things are just distracting and unprofessional and even though it doesn't really take away from your content if you're bumping on the desk it takes the focus away from your content you know so it's just again easy fix and can upgrade your show with just little changes like that and little focus on the little things Right. And it's it's so much cheaper than having to fix it in post-production and having to either spend tons of time trying to fix it or, or you know, tons of money paying somebody else to fix it when a lot of times they can't even fix it because it's just not possible. Right. It's just so much better. An ounce. What is it? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of exactly. cure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It all starts with the source recording. Like I said, there's no magic button to fix everything. We can fix up a lot of things. But even when you're, you think of like Photoshop, if you have a slightly blurry photo and you try to bring it into focus with AI, it's like, it's not perfect. It's, you can still feel a little bit of weirdness, like some fuzziness around the hair. It's the same with audio. So if we're going to run like a reverb removal, noise removal, it's never going to be as good as recording in a quiet room with no reverb. So yeah, it all starts with the, the client, with the the host and the guest being in, a, in as, as good a situation as possible to give yourself the chance to succeed and appeal to your audience as much as possible when you're competing against a million other podcasts. Now, obviously, the guest, you know, the guest is always a, a roll of the dice. Not every guest has a treated room or a $400 mic, and that's totally understandable. And I think any podcast audience will understand that. But for the host, no excuse. Yeah. 
And, and what I'll just add to what you're saying, uh, you kind of just alluded to it now, is that I've had tons of podcasters say, well, you know, so-and-so, like this creator that I know and that I follow or this person has a huge show and like they cl clearly don't pay attention to this. And the answer to that is uh, like, yeah, they, they already have a huge audience. Like they can kind of get away with it. But for us, you know, the folks that are listening to this show are largely podcasters who are building their audience from scratch. And, you know, when a listener discovers you for the first time, you not having a high quality sound is going to be a reason that they don't pay attention. Like, oh, this doesn't sound legit. And so they'll yeah. turn it off and you'll lose a chance. Yeah. On one hand, I, Tim Ferriss is a good example of that. On one hand, I do, I get angry with him because he obviously has the resources to have a perfect show. Yeah. But he doesn't really care. And his, his audio isn't great. His mic technique isn't great. But as you said, you're competing against someone who had a New York Times bestseller for years. Like, go write the four-hour work week, <laughs> and then you can do whatever you want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, he's interviewing, like, major CEOs, like the top, top people in the world. So people will suffer, that's uh, a strong word, through, you know, a poor production because the content is there. So if, you, if you're using him as an excuse, you better have the clout and the reputation that he has. Right. Or, you know, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. So. Right. Go, go write a book that's a household name first, and yeah. then you can, you know, use your AirPods and <laughs> your, exactly. your, your phone mic. So you talked a little bit about recording software, and I just want to dive into that a little, little bit more because, you know, I use Riverside. We talk about Riverside a lot here on the show, which is, and we're using Riverside right now to record this remote interview because, yeah. you know, I'm in Miami and you're in Montreal, I assume. Yeah. But there's a time when you actually don't need to use a recording platform like that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So if you're recording solo and you have a PC or a Mac, there's plenty of free options for recording video and audio at home without having to deal with the internet, without having to worry about dropouts or downloading from some website or syncing over the web. You know, a lot of people use Descript for their voiceovers also, but you're still kind of dealing with the web. But, you know, it's just there's a lot of other options other than using something like Riverside. Obviously, if you're, you know, if you're doing an interview, it needs to be remote. You can also record local in parallel just in case something gets lost. But Riverside these days is pretty reliable that you don't have to worry about that. So for interviews, I would use Riverside or even Zoom as long as you have the Zoom settings to record each person on a separate channel. The video is going to be a little bit low because it's a it's a communication device, not a recording device, as opposed to Riverside, which is really focused on high quality recordings. But again, consult a professional. You know, what is the best way to do this? What are my options? You know, there's something called OBS, which is Open Broadcast Software, which is cross-platform PC and Mac. And I have two clients who co-host a show every week. So they were using, you know, an online platform and they were getting some dropouts and some issues. So instead, they downloaded OBS and they record locally on each end. Perfect video and audio. I'm actually using OBS to record this show as a backup for our Riverside conversation. So I have a perfect clean recording for both Riverside and OBS and it's free. So they love it because now they have two perfect files and then they just combine them in post. And again, by hiring a professional, they send me each video over Google Drive and I just, you know, sync it up and slap it together in Descript and then in Adobe Audition and it's perfect. And the recordings are pristine. And that's free. Yeah. You know, so they have a Zoom call to communicate, you know, to actually have the conversation. But they're recording on OBS, which you can choose your camera, you can choose your mic, you can choose the levels. 
So there are options out there, especially if you're doing a solo show or an in-person show where you have your guests in the same room, where you don't have to worry about paying a service or having to upgrade to the highest quality with that service. On the Mac, for example, is QuickTime. QuickTime has been built into the Mac for as long as I can remember, probably 15 years or more. And Mm -hmm. it takes two seconds to bring it up. Your camera records in whatever quality you have. Uh, and your mic is perfectly pristine and you just save it and then send it to us and we do the post-production. Mm-hmm. But it just makes it so much easier and quicker than, you know, fussing around with a an online remote recording system when you're doing solo. So each has a time and a place, but the clients that I've showed local recording to are like, oh, wow, this is so much, makes so much more sense for my, you know, 10 minute YouTube short or, you know, just my solo rant that I want to have on my next podcast for video and audio. So yeah, there's options out there. It's just, you know, yeah. It's funny. I'm, I'm sitting here interviewing my post producer and I don't have OBS going and I'm like, oh my God, he's going to kill me. <laughs> well, because... Rivers- Riverside is pretty good. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also you and I have great internet connections, which is of course a huge deal. I have had clients that have not so great Wi-Fi. And when they have their guest doesn't have great Wi-Fi, sometimes you get a delay with Riverside where yeah. you speak and they don't hear you for a second, then they'll say something and you won't hear it for two seconds, which that three second combined delay, I have one client who laughed at something that was completely inappropriate because the laugh was actually for something that was said four seconds before. So we had to fix all that in post and that came from a, you know, a bad internet. So I would say if you are doing regular podcasting at home, hardwire your internet. Just cut out any of those potential issues with wireless, with, you know, interference in the building you're in. And even in perfect condition, wireless is still kind of up and down. You know, just plug in your ethernet cable. You can buy a cheap one on Amazon, run it across the floor. It doesn't have to look good as long as the camera doesn't see it. And you will upgrade immediately your recording through Riverside right there. Quick pause on the episode today. If you're a podcaster who's overwhelmed by the editing and post-production process, or you're an entrepreneur or CEO who is not satisfied with the team that's currently producing your show, and you would rather just focus on creating amazing content and then sending it to a team that you trust to get it produced fast, I have the perfect solution for you. Imagine instead having a dedicated post-production team that not only enhances your podcast audio quality, but also manages your show notes, your social media clips, and even YouTube video editing. It's a team that turns your recording into polished professional episodes, giving you back precious time to focus on what you do best. That's exactly what Podcast Boutique offers. It's the only post-production team that is trusted by me and Grow the Show and countless other top podcasters. They provide complete podcast post-production and video editing services with an insanely fast and personal touch. Their clients rave about how much time they have saved and how their show has improved in quality after switching to Podcast Boutique. So if you're ready to take your podcast to the next level, if you're an entrepreneur who has not outsourced yet and you're ready to do that, or your current post-production team does not get you back quality work really fast with incredible communication, then you should head over to podcastboutique.com or click the link in the show notes, fill out a quick form and set up a chat with Podcast Boutique. Have I stressed that they are unbelievably fast and good at what they do? Once again, that's podcastboutique.com or you could just click the link in the show notes to learn more and finally get post-production off of your plate to a team that you trust. All right, let's get back to the episode. Okay, so we've spoken about the equipment that you use. We've spoken about how to use that equipment. We've spoken about recording software, but let's talk a little bit about 
how you actually perform in the interview. So what do you think that podcasters should consider to make themselves sound more professional while recording? I think what the best podcasters do is they understand that it's not, you're not live on the radio. So you can pause, take a breath, compose your thought, start over, and we can just cut all that out. So what we recommend and what we see in the best podcasters, if, if you make a mistake, pause back up to the beginning of that sentence, then we can edit out the mistake. What a lot of people do is a very natural thing. When you're in conversation, you will kind of stumble and then correct yourself with emphasis. So you'll say like, I went to the bar, I mean, I went to the gym. So you're kind of overemphasizing gym to signify that you made a mistake and make sure the person hears you. But then if we edit out, I went to the bar, it doesn't sound right because suddenly you're like, why is this person hugely emphasizing the word gym mm -hmm. because you've removed the mistake. So that's another thing to keep in mind is just if you do make a mistake, just stop, start over and say, I was going to the gym and like totally naturally. So, and it's a, it's a common mistake and it is hard to develop that habit, but that's something the best podcasters do. They will pause and start over from the beginning of the sentence rather than speed up and catch up and emphasize the correction to show that they made a mistake because it just is so obvious in post when you remove that original mistake that it just doesn't sound right. So also something I just did, I swallowed because I'm racing to finish that sentence. As an example, you can stop, swallow, have a drink of water and then start over and we will cut it out in post. No one wants to hear those swallow sounds, but I'm kind of doing it intentionally to show you guys. So, yeah. so little things like that. Agreements sometimes are an issue. Sometimes we remove like 70% of the host's agreements. Now it is good to show your guest you're interested and you're listening. So you do want to agree with them. And if you do agree too much, we can cut that out. But it is something to keep in mind that if you're saying the same kind of mm -hmm, every 10 seconds, you know, if you're, if you don't have a post producer, that can be kind of distracting and grating to the audience. So again, it's hard habit to build. But once you kind of start to notice it, you will only interject when you have an actual sort of reaction to it. Like, oh, wow, that's crazy. You know, something like that rather than just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh, every sort of few seconds. So most clients will listen back to podcasts and kind of learn from that. But it is something to pay attention to that will just make the conversation flow more. And, you know, if you have a post producer, we can remove that. But these are all just little things you can focus on to improve your overall presentation and performance. Yeah, what I've, I mean, we're going on five years working together now, we believe that, <laughs> right? Wow. Since uh, I hired some dude named Max on Upwork to work on my Philly podcast, who was <laughs> editing podcasts in Ableton. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. <laughs> but like looking back now, like so many of those things that you're mentioning, like I haven't even considered it, but my point is as a podcaster with time, you can slowly like, improve your habits on the mic. So as you were saying that, I'm remembering a day when I did my Philly Who interviews where like every two seconds I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And back then I didn't record the video. And so you could just like highlight all of the yeah, 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 yeah on the <laughs> on mine and just delete it. And nobody would have any idea that that was happening. But now with video, like it would actually kind of look weird. Like you, if you took out the audio. So like you kind of have to really work to just, uh, what I do is I just kind of like nod along and 
signal physically that I'm listening without yeah. the constant. Uh-huh, Perfect. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Perfect. <laughs> That's also, you brought up something really interesting that I haven't mentioned yet, but is becoming a big thing now that podcasters are learning. The video and the audio process is very different because if you cut out the fillers in a video, then it's literally, it looks like the CD's skipping and it's like jumping around. And you see that with some influencers on YouTube that do what's called jump cuts, where they cut out every breath and they they do multiple takes and then edit it together. And it just, it's almost jarring and unnerving because you don't have a chance to absorb what they're saying because they've cut out the breath and it immediately jumps to the next sentence. So yeah, it's it's a little bit weird with video. We recommend for video that we leave it as um, natural as possible. If you want to cut out a 10-minute piece, for sure, we can do that. But we don't want to remove fillers. We'll tighten up some gaps maybe, but we don't want to remove fillers and stutters because the video does not look good when it looks like it's skipping around all the time. And it can be more distracting than actually leaving the distractions in. Right. But then obviously for audio, we can dig right in and chop the hell out of it so that it sounds natural but clean it up and knock off, you know, five, six minutes of it. Be amazed. I had a client, had a 45-minute podcast. And when I delivered it, it was 38 minutes. And he was like, is there something wrong? Is something missing? So we audited it in Descript. I'm like, no, everything's perfect. There was just that many filler words and stutters and stumbles and distractions that we actually cut seven minutes. You know, I mean, that's crazy. It's 20% so of a 45-minute podcast, is it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. So I want to emphasize something you said there, which is that when you have a professional do the audio editing, those filler words and, and pauses and stammers and stuff can be removed. But what's key is that it makes the audio still sound natural. Just earlier today, I was listening to, this is a classic example of what we just mentioned earlier with like huge podcasts, just like getting away with stuff that like I wouldn't recommend for somebody just building an audience from scratch. I was listening to Tim Ferriss's interview on the Dak Shepard podcast just a couple hours ago. Right. And what always drives me nuts about Dak Shepard's podcast, which incredible show, like not saying anything, but what always drives me nuts is how they edit it. They edit the audio really tight. Like they remove filler words and everything to the point where it's like super jumpy. Yeah. And it's the only podcast that I can't listen to on like one point anything speed. Like I have to listen to it on one because it's so like, it's super jumpy, which you can get away with on video. Even with an interview, you can kind of get away with like the YouTube jump cuts. Yeah. But my point is that, you know, if you're editing your audio and you're taking things out, you really want to make for audio only, make it sound as natural as you can, because that's the place where truly when it sounds unnatural, it can be pretty jarring. Would you agree? Yeah, that's absolutely our priority is, you know, if an um, uh, you know, an uh is rolled into another word and you chop it in the middle and it literally sounds like someone unplugged the mic, we're going to leave that um in there. We're really conscious of one, sounding natural and two, the gaps being proper. I will shorten gaps to keep the pace up, to keep the interest and keep it snappy. But if someone says something emotional or they end a point with something strong, you need to give us a couple of seconds for it to sink in and absorb like, wow, that's crazy. What's coming next? You know, if they immediately jump to the next sentence, then you lose the impact of what was just said. And, you know, it doesn't it just doesn't work. And I get it with these, you know, five minute tutorials on YouTube. You know, they they want to beat the algorithm and keep the attention of, you know, 16-year-old gamers up as much as possible who might <laughs> turn turn it off if there's a two-second gap. 
But if you have like an adult podcast, you need to leave those gaps in because that gives people a chance to absorb what was being said. You know, so we're really conscious of, is this a point that needs to be, have the gap slightly extended before the next sentence starts or can we shorten it? And I would say about 75% of the time I'm shortening, shortening, shortening to keep the pace up, keep it snappy. And then the other 25% of the time I'm saying like, okay, this is a really beautiful point they just made, you know, or something emotional, or they're telling a really, you know, a deep story. Then you want to leave a little bit more room for sort of impact. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just like you, you know, you watch movies or, you know, you see a well-produced movie. It's like those gaps between the editing from the car chase is all frantic, but then they might have a beautiful slow scene where someone just died or something, you know? I remember in The Wire, when one of the best characters died, they kept the camera on the body on the ground, not to be too morbid. Luckily, he was only an actor, (laughs) but in one of the greatest shows of all time, I will say that. But it was such a, I'm getting the chills, but it was, you know, it was almost at the end of the show, five seasons in, and it was such a poignant moment that the camera stayed just on him and you could hear the police sirens in the background and no movement for so long because you, as the viewer, needed the time to absorb what you just saw. And they knew that this was such a favorite character that if it was just like, oh, bang, he fell on the ground and then you cut to some other scene, it would have completely lost the chance to have a poignant moment. And I mean, I have a podcast about hospice care, which has a lot of emotional moments. I have a a nursing podcast as a client, you know, so they're constantly talking about things that are quite heavy and quite emotional and interviewing people that have amazing stories. So those pauses are critical. And the thing about something like Descript, which we both love and use all the time, you can push one button filler removal and one button gap removal, but that does not take into account at all what the content needs to be presented in the right way. So that's why there's really only is one option, which is using a proper post producer. But if you do do it yourself in Descript, leave those gaps in, focus on the gaps that are necessary for the most sort of emotional impact and shorten the gaps that don't. But yeah, I've listened to those type of shows that you were talking about also. And it's, it's a disservice to the audience because you're like, yeah. you almost want to rewind and catch it again. And then you're like, this is just annoying. I'm going to move on. Yeah. You know, it just takes you out of the flow because, you know, listening to a podcast is one of the few you know, ways of consuming content that we have these days where yeah. you actually can kind of sit back and let the silence do the work a little bit and let a moment breathe, which is awesome. And, and you know, we don't get that in too many other places these days. I don't actually listen to a ton of podcasts. I've gone through phases where I do and I'm, you know, going to the gym and stuff. But one that I listen to religiously, which I think is absolutely best in class, is Sam Harris. Mm. And Sam touches on very serious topics all the time. He also has, you know, hour-long solo shows. But his level of production, you know, one, I've heard him say that, you know, apologize for not being able to air an interview because the quality wasn't good enough, which is crazy. I've never heard a show do that. Yeah. But for the most part, like his recording is perfect. His pacing is perfect. And if you, if you listen to Sam Harris versus someone like, you know, Tim Ferriss, Mm -hmm. Sam just has those pauses that make so much sense because you, he really is focused on you absorbing the information that he's giving you. He's not using it to self-aggrandize himself and just like, Hey, I'm a podcaster. Here's what I'm going to talk about. You're all going to listen. He focuses on like that connection with the audience and having the pause at the right time that really counts. Mm. And it just makes all the difference. And it doesn't seem like it does. It's probably even subliminal, partly. 
But those things, those tiny things make such a difference in the listener experience. So that's a show I listen to pretty much all the time because I love how it's produced. I love how it's presented. So he has my loyalty because he focuses on those things. Yeah. Again, like podcaster listening, you don't have to do it that big. Like, you know, you don't have to make it completely perfect, like have cinematic moments with like all like perfect silences. But again, if you can just make a couple tweaks here and there just to improve your levels, it really, really does go a long way. To your point, Max, even subliminally, right? The listener may not even realize it, but they, they still feel it. I'm so curious. So I know there are a lot of listeners who grow the show who have post-producers, who have editors, who have help with their show. I'm so curious, and I actually don't know what you're going to answer to this. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. And also, a lot of your clients listen to this podcast. So That's true. Lately. That's true. I'm on the hot seat. Now. Yeah. So what is something that you wish your clients did more or less of? And the purpose of that question is, to just make the life of the podcaster, make the symbiotic relationship between the podcaster and the post-producer better, easier. So what's something that podcasters should consider doing more or less when working with their post-producers? Naming their files correctly. Oh, no. Oh, that's <laughs> no, going to be right at me. I know. We get, we get so many descript <laughs> shares, and it's usually just named like the guest name. Yeah. So I'm like, oh. what show is this? So I, I always have to, I always rename them with like the initials of the show and then the episode number. No, I tease. That's something we're happy to do for the clients. And, and, you know, clients are busy and our job is to take the stress and time off their plate so they can name it how they want. But yeah, it's just one of those little things. If I could snap my fingers and change it, I would. That's so funny. But overall, I would say the biggest times I've been frustrated with our clients is when they don't come to me first with a question about how to do something. We are very accessible and we try to make sure that we're always available to our clients. And I plead with them. I'm like, if you're going to suddenly leave your house and go do a live recording in a cafe, let me know and I will tell you how to do it best. You know, or if you can only do it a certain way, I'll tell you the best way to do it to get the best result so that we can then fix it up the best way possible. You know, I had a client who's like, well, it was really noisy. So I ran noise reduction into script for you. And it's like, that's something that, you know, once you've embedded that, you know, a cheaper version of a noise reduction plugin, it ruins our chance to actually use our high-end plugins to do the same job in a better way. So our goal is always to save our clients the most time. So we say, don't remove any mistakes. Don't fix anything up. Leave it all to us. So we'll do it in a quarter of the time and we'll do it five times better because we have the experience. So yeah. You know, and yeah, that's I, like if you hired a, it's like if you hired a private chef and you went and bought the steaks and you're like, I, I took the liberty of pre-seasoning it for you. And the chef would be like, no, no, exactly. Not, they'd be exactly. washing the seasoning off so they could do it themselves. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, it bothers me because you're paying us to save you time, but you're trying to save me time and in turn yeah. making more work for me, which I don't mind about the more work, but I feel bad that like you're paying us to do this. Don't do it. Just leave it. So I think that's my, and that gets back to the first thing I said, which is, consult a professional. So when I have a client that comes to me and says like, okay, I I did this and it took me three hours, but I prepared it for you. And I'm like, if you had come to me first, we could have done it in a way that would have taken you 30 minutes and saved time on our end. So then my goal is strictly to save the client time and stress and energy so that they can focus on content, growth, whatever they can only do. And what they can't only do, we will do. So that's, I think, my biggest thing. And I would say that to any podcaster is 
before you go and spend eight hours on a sunny Sunday while your kids are playing outside and you're inside editing something, learning how to use confusing software, not knowing the right method, you know, basically making a mess of it, which we've all done. You know, I've done that with things I don't know how to do well and don't have 20 years experience doing. It's natural. Right. So just outsource it, hire someone or even ask someone. And, you know, with our circle community, like I am more than happy to take half an hour with a member of GTS ecosystem that is not a client of ours. I've done it on numerous occasions where they might have a problem with the audio. I'm like, send it to me. I'll run it through our processing. I'll show them how they can make it better. Uh, you know, with one client recently, it's like we we came to the agreement that it should probably be re-recorded because it was a really bad recording. But this wasn't a client of ours. This was a client of yours yeah. that messaged us on Circle. So I'm more happy to free of charge help someone else get better than I am to sit back and say, hey, they're not a client of ours. They're They're on their own. Like, I just want everybody to sound good and everybody to save as much time and stress and energy as they can right. and focus on the right thing. So I think that's it. Consult a professional before you go a mile in the wrong direction and you will save money, you'll save time, and you'll save your own frustration, which is probably the biggest thing. Right. And, and just to emphasize, like, consult. Like, yeah. Do we recommend hiring a professional? Hell yeah. But at the very least, consult one. Right? Consult. <laughs> right? Exactly. So you get just even a little bit of guidance to really take your show to the next level. It can be... I mean, we do a... You and I do a free coaching call for audio production. Yep. So, you know, we do that weekly with GTS. Oh, sorry, every other week on Wednesdays. So, you know, if you're a member of the GTS ecosystem, then jump on that call. If you have a problem with the script or you're wondering what an EQ is or you're wondering why your room sounds funny, like, you know, all those things. We had a client last week who came on who was wondering why she had room echo. And a lot of people call it echo, but it's actually reverb, which is that sense of space in the room and your voice bouncing back. And she was talking to me from a, you know, a glass desk with a glass wall. And I'm like, mm -hmm. glass is the absolute worst because your voice just bounces perfectly back off that right into the microphone. Yep. And the thing is, when you speak, your voice is going out in all directions, then it's bouncing back and it's causing like an accumulation of your voice bouncing back, which is why recording studios are never square. They don't have right angles. They don't have glass. They're always padded on the walls. So that's another thing. If you can't afford to treat your room, they call it treating, where you put things up on the walls and stuff. What most people will do is, you know, move to the bedroom or move to a room with books or carpets or plants or non-right angles and not a lot of glass. You want to stay away from hard surfaces, right angles, and anything that can help bring up that reverb. And again, it's trial and error. You want to try a couple of rooms in your house, try a couple of different corners in the same room and listen back to the reverb in the room and see, you know, how you can mitigate that. So you don't have to spend, you know, $500 treating a room, just move to a room that has some carpets, bookcases, because again, it's not a flat surface. It's all over the place. Yep. Maybe if you have a basement with brick or rock, that's always perfect because the sound is just dissipated all over the place. When you have a flat surface, it all meets back in the middle right yep. on top of your microphone. So yeah, that's another small tip. Awesome. Well, Max, this has been chock full of <laughs> little tips and tricks, which I'm not usually a tips and tricks guy, but really right now, like these can make all the difference in making your show sound super professional. So yeah. any last tips or tricks or do you think, uh, you think the listener is good to go? I think that's it. I mean, just, you know, focus on having a quiet room, 
get a good microphone. You don't need uh, to spend more than a hundred bucks. I think the ATR 2100 is like $80 in the US and it is absolutely my favorite mic, especially if you have a female voice with high sibilance. So mic, room, uh, drink lots of water. Don't be afraid to pause. We have paused and started over a few times in this episode, but you won't see it because we're good at editing. Yeah. So just that, you know, just focus on those little things. Keep the mic out of your breath channel is probably the biggest one as far as mic usage and just trial and error. You know, don't be afraid to consult someone. Yeah. So this is awesome. Thank you so much. If the listener wants to find out any more information about getting in touch with you or even maybe working with you guys, what is the best thing for them to do? Just go to podcastboutique.com. There is another website called thepodcastboutique.com. That's not us. But if you go to podcastboutique.com, you will see uh, Trusted by Grow the Show. Thank you, Kevin. (laughs) And um, there you can either email me at info or max at podcastboutique.com or click the information link. We have client testimonials. We have a page for all our uh, video and graphics assets that we make, the reels and the shorts and show notes, et cetera. And on there, you can book a call with one of us just to explore what your needs are. You know, no cost, no commitment. Just jump on a Zoom call with us and we can talk about your show and even give you some direct tips that fit you. And then after that, if you choose to work with us to save yourself hours a week and upgrade your podcast, we will be there. Podcastboutique.com. We will put the link in the show notes. I've been working with Max for the better part of five years and continue, you know, here's to another five years, man. So thank you so much for hopping on and uh, yeah, appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. 